Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry. I'm here with my co-host, Danny Hatch. And because we just want to make sure that somebody says something outrageous. <laughs> we don't get that enough from you, Josh, really? Well, I keep telling you to edit out the stuff that I say that's outrageous. And, you know, and until until you start paying attention to my directions... <laughs> I'm going to at least at least try to bring in somebody else who's going to get in trouble and maybe kind of distract from, from what I'm saying. Welcome back, Mark. To make you seem tame by comparison. Uh, sure, sure. Right, because because we are so outrageous. Cool. Um, yeah, you guys are wild, yeah. yeah. Howard, Howard Stern ain't got nothing on us, right? <laughs> or, or maybe. Okay, well, so how, th- how are things going, everybody? Doing great. It's been a little while since we got together. Yeah, it's been great oh, doing... Man doing well and enjoying the movies and reading about them and reading about the Oscars and yeah that's right uh, yeah we will be uh, we'll be talking about that pretty soon because mm-hmm. uh, by the end of well I mean recording we're, we are recording this at the beginning of March and by the end of this month which seems a little late from my calculations isn't that kind of weird to have the Oscars so late like the end of March isn't that yeah it is I mean not compared to last year with a pandemic year which when it was in yeah. April but, was yeah. it in April last year? Yeah. Nor, nor- All I remember about last year, I just remember it being this weird one-room thing where everybody was really kind of quiet and, and sitting awkwardly at tables. Right. Yeah. Just, yeah. We'll, we'll have to but talk we can, about that. Yeah, it's kind of Yeah, getting, we'll, we'll talk about that more. Yep. Yeah. Normally, it's end of February, beginning of March, yeah. and the nominations yeah. are early January. But with, I guess, after the COVID year, they have decided to continue to move things back a little bit. Since the nominations yeah. were in February and the Oscars are at the end of March, so yeah. Well, I guess I guess we'll just be ready when they tell us to be ready, because <laughs> you know. Nice. Well, so what else has happened? We got to, we got some news, Danny. Yeah. No. Uh, well, first off, there is the LDS Film Festival underway right here at the start of March. Um, one of my favorite movies from last year is being featured. Once I was engaged, which I talked about on the podcast, and I wrote mm-hmm. just. My my most favorite review. Uh, no, I just it's it's such a fun movie. So um, yeah, check that one out. Um, and then we also have uh, congratulations to the BYU animation department. I mean, I mean always right. They pull out such amazing things. A student Emmy nomination for a guy named Ethan Briscoe. Um, he made a movie called Stowaway about a little baby kraken that. Uh, gets onto a, a ship with a couple pirates and it's kind of an interesting story you know he was he actually was accepted to NYU's film school um, and by the time they sent him an acceptance letter he was already in this introduction of 3d graphics uh, class at BYU and then he just talked about how his whole decision to stay there was a was a huge deal for him like it was almost like a spiritual thing you know like he met his wife there ended up getting heavily into the animation and then now making a movie that has been nominated for an Emmy. Um, so Good. yeah, congratulations to him. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. No, I've, I've had the chance to interview a few of the people from the animation department who've gone on to do uh, work on usually uh, Pixar movies. A lot of times mm-hmm. when, uh, um, because, because Utah is such a strong market for kind of the Disney Pixar type stuff, a lot of times they'll have uh, press junkets where they'll actually have uh, different people come through town and uh, a lot of them have Utah connections you know because of that usually that BYU animation program so it's wow. it's doing some 
some pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, there were some but, of them uh, that worked on Soul, the Pixar movie from last, was it last year? Gosh, I'm thinking. Uh, that was 2020. 2020. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, 2021 really was a blackout. Year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I. You know, I will always remember because Soul was one of the few movies. I don't know. I mean, it, for one thing, it was one of the few movies that came out in 2020. Yeah. But I also remember watching it and thinking, okay, even if this wasn't a slow year, I would still really think of this as one of the best movies of the year because I just, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that one quite a bit. Yeah. That was that was, that was and it was yeah. I, I remember now. It won a lot of it won several Oscars, um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. not just best animated feature. It, it won the score for the. Uh, I believe it was the same guys well, who did the Social Network. And it was it was Trent Reznor, yeah, right? Yeah, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross. Yeah. 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 Okay, so we we have to we keep mentioning this, and we haven't yet have, we haven't followed through yet, but we have to have some kind of a discussion slash episode, maybe slash series about favorite soundtracks. Oh, because I know oh, we keep bringing yes. that up. Absolutely. But that's that's one of those ones that you know when we're thinking of stuff, it, it slips my mind. So. Yeah. Yeah, we all three of us will make a mental note because I I mentioned the social network, which is it's one of my favorites, and yeah, that that'll be a fun discussion. No, I I, I feel like just totally intimidated because you guys know way more about music stuff, and I go with whatever the radio plays for me. That is my taste. <laughs> so, <laughs> but when it comes to like film soundtracks, like there are just so many I grew up with. So I'd be mm-hmm. so excited to talk about those ones, and then you guys can judge me for them. Well, so. I mean, oh. we could differentiate between. <laughs> I look forward to that. We could differentiate between <laughs> scores and soundtracks because what the radio plays for you, yeah, there's exactly. a lot of great film soundtracks um, yeah. with just an awesome collection of songs. But then there's also like Hans Zimmer and John Williams scores, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Yeah. Right. Nope. Lots of lots of potential stuff to get into, but uh, but that is not in the today. meantime. <laughs> that is not today. That is not today. We're, in fact, today we're just doing a lot of teasers. All right. A lot. <laughs> lots of teasers. The entire episode is just going to be hinting at what we're going to talk about in other episodes. Uh-huh. So thanks for joining us. It's been great to have you here on the Utah Film Pod. And uh, yeah. No. Uh, no. We we do have something to discuss. Um, there is there is one uh, major movie coming out that. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's. I never quite know what to make of big movies that come out in you know March like this time of year, right? Because it seemed like, especially with the Marvel movies, they started pushing up the traditional summer blockbusters into like May and even April. Mm-hmm. But beginning of March still seems like. I mean, it's still winter, really, and so. It's gonna snow know. next week, so yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and so anyway. Uh, with no further ado, let's talk about the Batman. Um, this is uh, the latest of, gosh, how many different incarnations of this character on on the the movie screen. Um, I'm not going to dive too deeply into this because, if I remember correctly, you guys haven't had the chance to see it yet, right? No, I have not. I my okay. next weekend is when I'm planning to see it. So. Okay, so so I will give I will give kind of a a big picture surface level review. Uh, I'll do a little bit more in a written review, which by the time this comes out, I should have posted. And if not, just assume that I had life happen. I guess. <laughs> um, but uh, and then then maybe we can uh, we can come back and revisit it because uh, I'm guessing you guys will have a, a reaction to this one. Um, the ease, like the the simplest way. The simplest way that I would put it is that uh, 
thankfully, gratefully, this movie was considerably better than I feared it was going to be. Uh, I watched that trailer. You guys have seen the trailer, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Or, or one of the trailers. Yeah. I mean, I just remember seeing a trailer like two months ago. And, you know, around the time I think we were we were doing like the 2022 preview. And I just remember like my heart just kind of sank. I mean, not that I really had high stakes on this. Like I'm not really that invested in the whole thing. But there was just kind of this feeling like, ooh, this is going to be rough. This just is not, you know, and I have, I have nothing against Robert Pattinson. Um, I really have enjoyed all the other, you know, most all the other Batman movies. But the trailer just kind of really had me thinking, oh, boy, this is not, you know, it it had kind of like this weird emo vibe. And it just it felt like they were just kind of rehashing some of the old stuff for no apparent reason. And uh, the verdict, though, is that I liked it quite a bit. Um, oh, wow. I mean, it is it is very different. Um, I mean, I in, in liked it quite a bit. I would say probably a solid three stars out of four, maybe three and a half. Um, I think a lot of it was just the relief because I thought it was going to be yeah. just a slog. I mean, this, yeah. and for, for what literally and figuratively, cause this thing is pushing three hours long. Um, it is very, uh, you could, you could definitely criticize it for being slow. Um, there's kind of a strategy behind that, uh, which I'll get to in a second, but I, even, even in spite of that strategy, I think they could have trimmed it down, you know, a half hour and wouldn't really, really lost anything. Um, the plot it basically kind of revolves around uh, the Riddler is kind of the main the main bad guy. I mean, there there are a few different villains in in the movie, but uh, the Riddler is kind of the the main uh, focus one, and he's he's going after several different prominent figures around Gotham, uh, and you know Batman is already an established figure in in Gotham. Uh, even to the point where he like shows up at crime scenes and interacts with other detectives and policemen, which is kind of interesting. He's not just kind of, you know, because remember in the, uh, uh, you know, the Christopher Nolan version, he was just kind of this, he would show up out of the darkness and talk to Gary Oldman and then vanish again. But here he's kind of, he's a, a, in a broad daylight a little bit more. And uh, so, so again, he's he's. This is not an origin story. It's really just kind of he's already here and established. He's been doing this for a while, and and so it's just kind of about him solving this mystery, uh, and kind of figuring out what's going on with the Riddler. And I don't really want to go into a whole lot of it beyond that. Um, but the thing that I would point out that I found quite interesting, and again, this is always, you whenever I talk about a movie that is a you know, based in some kind of a comic book type of hero, I always have to acknowledge that I'm not, you know, fluent in in the comic book stories and all that kind of stuff. And so other people might have a little more authority than I. Uh, but my understanding is that one of Batman's primary characteristics that maybe hasn't been emphasized as much in the movie versions is the idea of him being the world's greatest detective. And this movie really seems to zero in on that role um, to the point where there is action and there's some really good action, but this is not like a wall-to-wall action Batman type movie. There's a lot of, uh, you know, more kind of like investigation and, uh, you know, kind of detective work. And it really seems to want to emphasize the idea that that the Batman character is not just this avenging, you know, knight in the shadows, that he's a detective. 
And, and that's why I think that they slowed things down and part of the reason that it wound up being three hours long, um, which is partially justified, but still probably a little more than it needed to be. Um, so you, so it's, I didn't realize, I never thought of the detective aspect of, mm -hmm. the Batman, of Batman's personality. Um, I guess he, I mean, like when you think of the Christopher Nolan versions, yeah, he does a little detective work. He has a lot of help from mm -hmm. his, his old actor friends. Um, you know, uh, Morgan Freeman and uh, Michael Green, right. but he, I, I yeah, I, I, that kind of makes me a little bit more intrigued because to me it just looked like a, a very uh, violent, dark, vengeful mm -hmm. look at, you know, I, I, I saw a review where the headline said the darkest night or the darkest night yet, you know, K-N-I-G-H-T. And I would agree. Yeah. Like, it, it is, it is much more, I mean, so, Within this whole, I don't know, Batman universe, whatever you want to call it, I mean, the Joker movie from a couple of years ago is the far end of the spectrum, right? Like, mm -hmm. that's the one, that's that's practically not even a comic book movie. That's really just kind of like this this character drama that happens to be about a character who shows up exactly. in superhero movies, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so the Batman is a lot more in that direction than any of the other Batman movies so far. Um, but it's still kind of on the PG-13 traditional comic book superhero side mm -hmm. of the equation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so it's, so it's a lot more moody. It's very, you know, deliberate slash boring, however you want to put, you know, because you can, you, you know, if, if you still like it, you can call it deliberate pacing. Yeah. If you dislike it, you call it boring. I've noticed that, <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, no, and so so I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that it was different. Um, the action that was there was, I mean, it's, this is one of those movies that still, it's still very much a PG-13 movie, but it's also very moody and dark and not something that, you know, I don't know that I would say it's not appropriate for kids. I just, I don't know that younger kids would even enjoy it that much because it's really, the, the action is very sparse. Um, it's it's good when it happens, but this is not this is not a movie that is about let's do wild cool things with Batman. Even though they do some cool things with Batman, like I I love the new Batmobile. Mm -hmm. It's uh, there's there's kind of a a Mad Max quality to it that that some of the other ones haven't had. Um, I think uh, I think Pattinson does a a good job. He's not going to be my favorite Batman. I don't think he's the worst. We can kind of talk about that in a second. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I mean, overall, I would definitely, I would definitely recommend it. I don't, I don't know that it's going to be anybody's favorite Batman movie, but in terms of justifying its existence, it did a much better job than I expected it to. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely sounds like it tried to make itself very different, and I'm glad it went with the detective route. Um, my husband's going to be so happy about that because this is his favorite superhero and he loves the old animated series where it's mostly yeah. the detective work and everything. And um, he'll be so happy about that. So, I mean, I'm kind of wondering, like, with that, with the pacing, with the that change, because um, I have heard just polar opposite reviews on this one. And so is that oh. kind of what is making or breaking it? Or is there something else where, you know who would be the kind of person who would like this movie? Who would be the kind of person who would not like this movie? I, I would expect that if you really love the Marvel movies, if you like a lot of 
I mean, I would, I would put it this way. For a long time now, with, with a handful of exceptions, DC has been seen as kind of the almost overly brooding, overly dark mm -hmm. superhero world. Right. Mm -hmm. And Marvel has been the fun tongue in cheek more more traditional yeah, yeah right yeah. not taking itself totally seriously but still really really well done i completely agree like i i think the marvel movies are actually underrated comedies i i, I remember when my wife and i went and saw guardians of the galaxy that was probably the funniest movie we we saw all year it was such a good it movie it was so yeah. funny and thor ragnarok is hilarious oh my uh -huh. goodness, marvel's yeah. the avengers all the iron man movies are mm -hmm. they're quite funny and i've seen several of the dc you is that what they call them? DCU movies. Yeah, right, right. And there, there's very little humor. I mean, it's and it's like they do it on purpose. They're they're saying, okay, we have to distinguish ourselves from Marvel. We're going well, more of the darker route. There's there's that, and then I I also you know I guess maybe this is kind of a cynical take, but the the assumption that I had was that the Christopher Nolan Batman movies were so successful mm. that everybody at the DC you know, offices just kind of got the idea that, oh, well, good comic book movies in the 21st century have to be dark and gritty and realistic, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And so that's why we suddenly have like this brooding, dark Superman who still is basically wearing tights. But we put a really dark, dark filter in front of the lens. And so everything is brooding now. Yeah. And, and that just, you know, to me, that just didn't fit. You know, uh, I, I've really enjoyed it when DC has finally kind of let its hair down. Like, I love Shazam. Oh, my goodness, yeah. This is funny. I, I can't remember if we've, we might have talked about this already, but I actually enjoyed the lightheartedness of the first version of Justice League. Mm -hmm. Although, I also have to admit that once I saw the, the Zack Snyder cut, I realized that, okay, well, this one also has some lighthearted, fun humor, but it's also tremendously better than that original justice league oh. so you know lest lest anybody get the wrong impression that i'm telling i'm saying that uh, the no, first justice league was that, was way better <laughs> that was my hot take because i was trying to like yeah? figure out how to explain to everyone why i liked justice league and i think i just had a great time going to the theater watching it like yeah. um you know i i, I love the whole cast um i think the flash especially like he just yeah. Stole the show. So much yeah. fun. And Aquaman. I really liked Aquaman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now this this wasn't funny, but I thought that I thought that Wonder Woman was pretty much not if if not just the best thing, at least the only redeeming thing about Batman v Superman. Mm. Like I just you know I don't know. And I guess this is kind of leading because you know, for for the sake of full disclosure, um, in addition to our, our Batman review or our The Batman review, since that's what it's called, technically. Uh, we're we're, we're going to talk Batman today. Yeah. And uh, we're just, we're just kind of heading right into All it. Right. So we might as well just keep this, keep this ball rolling. Well, um, spe speaking of A, Batman versus B, Batman, Co Conan O'Brien <laughs> said that it should be called A, Batman, because there are like 17 Batman movies. Right, right. <laughs> you know, well, it's funny because okay. we give Spider-Man such a hard time with like, oh, you're always needing a new Spider-Man movie. It's like, how many times have they recast Batman in the last well, two decades, really? Yeah, I, the, the Batman thing is interesting. Or Spider-Man has had three re reboots this right. this century. I mean, in the last you know 16 yeah. years, Batman at least, I guess, has had two. But, you know, going back from 89 through the 90s, that, that would be the first 
reboot after the 1966 version, I, yeah. I guess. Well, if if it, Danny, if it makes you feel any better, I'm kind of rolling my eyes at all of the new Batman stuff as well. <laughs> like I, luckily they've been they've been pretty good, right? Yeah. And that and that yeah. that makes a big difference. Um, I also kind of get the sense that, fairly or not, I think that there's a perception that Sony keeps rebooting Spider-Man just to hold on to property rights, mm-hmm. not because they mm-hmm. want to put out a new vision, right? It's because um, they just have to do it. Right. Whereas DC is, like, wanting to do it, yeah. Yeah, which, which again, I, I kind of question. I mean, I, I definitely enjoyed this new version of Batman, mm-hmm. but if I if it hadn't come out for another five years or ten years, that would be fine too. Like mm-hmm. you know, I I don't I don't need new Batman movies in my life every every couple of years. But uh, yeah, I don't know. And I guess so. I, I guess you're right, Danny. Now that I think about it, there's the the Christopher Nolan Christian Bale mm-hmm. versions, right? Those three, and then there's Ben Affleck mm-hmm. in the DCU movie. So this is the third. The third reboot of the 21st yeah. century. So yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah. No. Well, and, okay. So before we get too far away from it, let me see if I can answer your original question okay. from uh, from like 10 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> my my gut feeling is that if you really just kind of are used to the Marvel style comic book movies, you would react negatively to the Batman. Hmm. Um, if you already like the the DC movies and kind of enjoy the more kind of brooding darker stuff this will be more of a natural fit or a natural transition um so i guess it it, i almost i mean i almost want to say like if you just kind of enjoy movies on the surface and are not really looking for something different in the genre or Mm -hmm. or challenging in that regard i could see people reacting in a negative way and saying, why is this movie so slow? And he's not fighting anybody. And why is he, yeah. why is he doing detective work? <laughs> you know? And well, that's but, thing. uh, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, and I think one of the reasons the Batman always, they, they have these dark, gritty brooding, as you say, movies is maybe they're trying to reflect the, the character, right? Cause you look at origin stories yeah. of different characters and Batman kind of has the worst one. First of all, he doesn't have any yeah. superpowers like a lot of these other superhero yeah. movies. And then you look at what got him started down this life of uh, vigilante justice, and it's like watching uh-huh. his parents get murdered. You know, Peter yeah. Parker gets bitten by a spider. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's there's not uh, there's not as many dark, uh, horrible like. I don't know, man. Have you ever been bitten by a spider? <laughs> I'm kidding. If I was I'm bitten kidding. by a spider, uh, that might be kind of yeah. cool. No, but I but I but I think that's the mistake that DC makes, though. Yeah. Is that. That works perfectly for Batman because that fits his character. Mm. But the whole dark, brooding, oppressive, that doesn't work for Superman. Yeah. And I don't think it works for Wonder Woman. I mean, these are, I don't know. Yeah. I, well, and I don't think those are, I didn't think Wonder, Wonder Woman was dark. I, I, that was actually quite a good Not as much, movie. no. I mean, it, it's, there's, there's still a close kinship there to kind of the Zack Snyder 300 mm. aesthetic, you know? Yeah. Like there's, you can still tell that they're all kind of in the same family mm-hmm. you know but uh anyway so so with this new one out here and which which mark as you've pointed out is now the third different version of batman that we've seen well really 
in what the last 12 years because wasn't wasn't dark knight rises that was dark knight rises was 2011 or maybe 2012 yeah it might have taken a little longer yeah and batman begins was 05 so it's 17 years three different batman yeah so okay so without having seen the new one there are still enough options out there that I think we can have a discussion about which one's best. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you have you done your, yeah. a ranking, uh, your rankings yet? Because I, I would uh, want to know where it. Not officially. Okay. I let's let's let you guys talk a little bit about it. Okay. And and then I'll. Well, no, uh, yeah, because I got to buy myself some time to think. I, I can it, tell you. I can tell you my favorite. I guess I have sort Please, of. A... Mark, if you're if you're ready to go, Mark, you you. You take this thing and you run yeah, with it. Yeah, I have a, I have what I would call a sentimental favorite for sentimental reasons, maybe, and then also a, um, my actual favorite. So my favorite mm-hmm. one is The Dark Knight, the the second okay. one in the Christopher Nolan trilogy. Um, I remember when I first saw that, it, I had actually just taken the bar. It was the night that I took <laughs> finished taking the bar, so I needed a good release. Me and my buddy, who also took the bar, we went and saw it. We already knew it was a big movie. This was beginning of August of 08, and everyone was seeing it like the week before. And this was, it was like a, almost a masterpiece of, of a crime drama that mm-hmm. just happened to have a superhero and a supervillain in it. You know, kind of like how you describe, uh, you know, Joker just being this character study that happened to be mm-hmm. feature a, a villain, you know, a famous villain. Right, right. Um, and that's kind of how I felt about The Dark Knight. And, and this also goes along with Batman not having superpowers. So there's nothing supernatural in, the, in these movies. I guess, I mean, there's things that are probably nearly impossible, but... Yeah. Um, and like, for example, how the Joker has, says he's, he's just all about chaos, yet he has the most amazing, carefully orchestrated plans <laughs> that any supervillain has ever created, you know, no, no right. Bond villain has could even match up to what the Joker does in Dark Knight. Um, right, but I, I just thought it was excellent. I mean, the the acting was great, as you know. I think it was perfect casting. Um, I, Heath Ledger, you know, often talk to people, and and it's it's almost like everyone agrees he's the best Joker, and and you can't even really figure out who's in second place, you know. Um, and I and I think Christopher Nolan. Uh, it's just a, a great director. It's it was just like it's such a good movie. Um, yeah, I, I love The Dark Knight. And that's now. Did you say that it was your sentimental? No, pick? that's my that's the best one. That's my favorite. That's the best. My, my sentimental best one. Okay. pick. I could just tell you is is the 1989 version. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. That year, my uncle got to take me. I was about 12, I guess, and the parents let him take me to a, a drive-in movie that was PG-13. Batman wow. with Jack Nicholson and uh, Michael Keaton and and it, that's like dating when you're 14 or 15 years old. I know old, it, was, it was. Yeah, I would have because it came out in '89. That was the year I was turning 12, and it was great. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it. I remember it just being kind of weird too. Like, why does this guy have that weird makeup on his face, and what's wrong with him? You know, and and yeah. um, it was. But you know, I I just I liked it, and I think there's this sort of I don't know how to describe him. I mean, it, it's really what started the Joker as being such a popular uh, villain. Right, you know? right. Like, because he, he's so interesting. And I always feel uh-huh. like, and that's okay, but to me, the villains, and you hear actors say they like to play the villains, because a lot of times they're the most interesting character in a the movie. They're the one that oh, yeah. draws your attention the most. 
and oh for and, sure yeah I think he kind of started that so yeah it was it was a big year because I, I saw two PG-13 movies in the theater that year the other one was a <laughs> Weird Al Yankovic movie called UHF um, and I was a huge well fan. now wait wasn't uh didn't Last Crusade come out that year? Yeah, and I was thinking about that, and I didn't see that in the theater. Um, You're kidding. No, I, I think it took me a couple of years on VHS, so... Oh, my did. goodness. Once you turned 13, the appropriate age. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Mark, Mark, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that you had to deal with such challenges as you. Well, <laughs> I did, you know. How could you, how could you not see Last Crusade in the theater? I, I, was, uh, I didn't. <laughs> Well, that's <laughs> probably for a different reason, yeah. a very different reason, Danny. Um, so, so Danny, do you do you have an official pick and a sentimental pick, or or maybe should I ask, do you even like Batman movies? Because we're we're kind of assuming that we all like these and have favorites, but you know, I, I'm I'm certainly open to the argument that maybe they're not that great. No, I love Batman movies. Um, they're typically my my favorite superhero movies. I really just, uh, I mean, it's kind of. My first introduction to superhero movies, I think, was um, the the Dark Knight trilogy. I, I want to say um, because Avengers hadn't taken off yet by the time I was watching right, those. Because right. I mean, I th- I think I was pre thirteen as well watching those movies, but um, it definitely not Dark Knight though. Um, <laughs> no, um, I think it's funny that you brought up the nineteen eighty nine one because um, that's the one I want to watch because I think it would be my favorite. Like on paper, it has everything I, I'd want. Like I love Tim Burton and I love Michael Keaton so much. Like, and especially after watching Birdman, I just, I wonder, uh-huh. because I feel like, you know, it kind of like plays into that where, you know, he played some kind of, you know, winged vigilante. Right. Um, sort of like, I think it's kind of, like, that's why he was that pick. Right. And and yeah. I just I, I really really want to see that one, um, so so that's my like, I wish it was my favorite one <laughs> I, I guess, but not in terms of like, not because I don't love it, it's just because I haven't seen it, and and that was the thing yeah. I was thinking about with this discussion is like there are just so many, I haven't seen, but I think it's just that I'm very familiar with the Dark Knight trilogy, and um, and also I was just really excited for some. Um, uh, with the the Justice League and um, with uh, Ben Affleck because he was my oh, yeah, celebrity yeah. crush my teenage years. So oh wow yeah no it just that that's that's my type that look right there and <laughs> so <laughs> um, but my favorite like I, I I do agree I I feel like Christian Bale is my Batman you know um, because of that and I don't know I because I do agree that the Dark Knight is just a masterpiece it's amazing fabulous acting fabulous everything and i and i think it's because you know the series picked up so much steam with the first one that there was like bigger budget and all this stuff going on but i love batman begins a lot mm-hmm. i just i think it's such a great origin story like the way that it's told the way that it's shot i i love all the actors i love um killian murphy a lot i think he's just a creepy dude so I, I thought he was amazing. I <laughs> uh, love Liam Neeson in it. Like, just everyone, it just, yeah. oh, I just, I love that yeah. cast. I love how everything's told. And then I felt like I never got that feeling again with the other movies. And maybe it's because it became a little flashier and it became a little darker. Whereas the first yeah. one just felt more, I don't know, grounded and kind of just, uh, 
I can't find the right word for it. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty good origin story, too, because it doesn't yeah. just automatically bring a guy from, like, uh, you know, nothing to just a full-grown, fully-fledged, fully-automated Batman. You know, like, he has to work hard and yeah. go through all that training. And, it, I mean, it kind of goes into that a little deeper than a lot of other movies. Like, in the 1989 version, mm -hmm. uh, it just seems to... He's already there, I guess, you know? Well, because um, it's Michael Keaton. Yeah. No, well, <laughs> yeah, like, he can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, okay, so it, so it seems like we're we're at least in agreement in that nobody really loves the Affleck Batman stuff. Well. And 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 by or or at least none of us cuz nobody has said anything about those in terms of being a favorite. I wanted now, to I, keep him though. I I wanted to have I I wanted that whole Justice League. I I, I wanted that cemented. So I I yeah. am bummed out about that. No, I thought I thought he did a good job. Like I, I don't have any issues with his performance at all. I think if anything, the movies just didn't give him a lot to do. Yeah. And so, so it almost kind of feels like a half reboot, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, because it's not, it's not almost the same. Like we don't have the same amount of content. Of for, uh, well, just, just well, that's what I mean. It's like. You know, they weren't Batman movies; they were Justice League movies. Yeah, and so that's a good point. So he was there, but we didn't really get to see what you know that version of Batman was capable of. Now, yeah, I can't really say that there was anything making me desperate to see a lot more. You know, it was it was fine. It was good. I, you know, like I said, I I thought Affleck did a perfectly good job. Um, but uh, no, I I mean I'm. It's it's not very original, but I I think I'm kind of on the same in the same boat with you guys. Where when I think about okay, well, what is the quote unquote best Batman series? It's it's so hard to argue against the Christopher Nolan movies because they're so coherent, right? I mean, it's yeah. a very specific part one, part two, part three trilogy. Um, the performances are so good. The the whole directing and the aesthetic and all that is is so good. Um, I will say. It, at the risk of inciting hatred. Um, I think The Dark Knight is a really, really good movie, but I think it's overrated. Oh, I hate you. I do. <laughs> I'm okay with that. To be fair, I, I've only been no. able to bring myself to watch it once because it makes me, like, nervous. I don't like gross stuff. So, like, I, I, yeah. I don't know. But I've seen, like, no, so many it's, clips, and it is good. It's very good. It's yeah. very good. However... My my argument is that it is it gets most of its credibility. Well, maybe if not most of it. Frankly, I think I think you take out Ledger. Heath Ledger as as the Joker, yeah. and you just have a good movie. Yeah, yeah. It's, per it's perfectly fine. It's it's entertaining. It's very well done. I you know I love a lot of things about it, but I think that that this, the reputation of that movie owes most of its success and its accolades to Heath Ledger. Mm -hmm. And and I'd, I'd probably say that, you know, as much as I loved Jack Nicholson as a kid in that first Batman, <laughs> you know, Heath Ledger just did something. That was... That was... It was pretty amazing. Really, really incredible. Yeah. Even if it bears a striking similarity to uh, a singer that... Uh, 
You guys ever heard this? No. no. Tom Waits. Mm-hmm. There's an old interview clip of him on YouTube on some, I don't care if it's a Tonight Show or whatever, but uh, it is startling. Like it's, and it's old too. It's like back in, I think it's back in the 80s or something like that. Maybe, maybe in the 90s, but it's kind of like, He's the Joker. Oh. He's the Heath Ledger Joker. And and so kind of like the rumor is, oh, well, this is where Heath Ledger got the idea for how to do his interpretation of the Joker. But uh, hmm. I don't know. Well, I don't want, I don't want to break the hearts of any. any. <laughs> so I, maybe feel, feel free to cut that out. Can I give an honorable mention to a Joker, though? Oh, please uh, do. Because I, I know you guys are saying, like, oh, you can't really pick a second. I, I, I mean, and I think. Um, Jack Nicholson definitely is up there, but also like I love it every time Mark Hamill voices the Joker. I think he's incredible. With I've, that I've heard that many. T- I've never seen any of the animated stuff, but I, I have heard that many, many times that Mark Hamill is kind of the kind of the dark horse MVP when it comes to you know kind of the the Batman you know cast oh yeah no absolutely like yeah in the 90s animated series no, there's... i love it also in the video games like he is creepy but just like really makes those stories he's he's so yeah. good well and i think that people are going to have a tough time eclipsing michelle pfeiffer for her performances as catwoman honestly like that i it's, this, this is why it's so hard, right? Because it's hard to say that there is a version of Batman that is better than the Christopher Nolan stuff. Mm. But those first two Tim Burton movies were really just such peak Tim Burton, right? I mean, that's kind of like these are the movies that like you kind of get the feeling that he was made to make. And, mm. and between Jack Nicholson's performance and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's performance – and and I'll always have a soft spot. I mean, I, I had been a, f- a fan of Michael Keaton for several years before mm-hmm. uh, that, just because he, I mean he, he was awesome in Mr. Mom. Yeah, I remember loving I love him that. in that movie as a kid. <laughs> Such a yeah, just a great little great little comedy. I think it was actually written by uh, uh, the '80s guy. What's the guy who did all the '80s John movies? Hughes? All the yeah, John Hughes. Oh. I think he actually wrote Mr. Mom. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, the '80s guy. He's 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 like on the credits for like seven out of ten '80s movies, pretty much. Oh yeah, Beetlejuice. Um, he's worked with Tim Burton a few times. Yeah. yeah. Oh god. Yeah, just just great stuff. Um, but then, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I I never saw Batman and Robin until a few years ago. I finally just kind of forced myself through it, and and it lived down to its reputation. Um, Batman Forever, I was kind of distracted at the time because I, I, I kind of got this crush on Nicole Kidman. And so I was kind of <laughs> blinded to the fact that the rest of the movie really wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> but but the first two, the first two, the, the Tim Burton Batman movies, mm-hmm. those were great. And, you know, it's and, and it's interesting, too. Like there's there's almost a trend with these movies where there seems to be a casting choice that just blows everybody's minds. Because I remember, you know, again, having watched him in Mr. Mom, nobody thought Michael Keaton was going to be a good Batman. It's like, well, this guy's a comedian. This guy's funny. What's, what are they casting this guy? And then of course, when Heath Ledger was cast for the Joker, people thought that was ridiculous too. And in both cases, you know, they, you know, the Batman knocked it out of the park. 
Yeah. yeah the Which is, that was a really loose, bad pun. <laughs> That's what I was thinking looking at uh, this new Batman movie, because, like, I'm looking yeah. at that whole cast list, and I feel like, you know, you always have to have that just stellar, strong, you know, list there. And so I'm, I was mm-hmm. super com- um, curious about, like, uh, Paul Dano as the Riddler, because I think mm-hmm. he's amazing in everything I've seen him in. And yeah. And yeah. here's here's where my ignorance paid off because I didn't know that was him going into the movie. I didn't know either. And when I, I up, yeah. yeah, and when I found out it was him, when he kind of you know because he's like, call it a spoiler if you want, but I mean he spends most of his time in the mask, you know, and so you don't really know who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously they're publicizing the fact that it's Paul Dano, and he's awesome. I I really his. his if if only for his work in Love and Mercy, I'm always going to be a fan <sighs> yeah. of what he right. can do. That was great. Um, so so it was it was really cool to see him. Mm. Cool to see him in this. And then of course I'm looking at IMDb and realizing as of right now that oh that was Colin Farrell who was the <laughs> Penguin. <laughs> and heavy makeup, okay. right? Yeah, obviously, obviously. I mean, there's you would not have picked that out at all. So. Well, I don't know. Paul Dano was also. I, I did. I did recognize Zoe Kravitz. Yeah, <laughs> Paul Dano is also great in the Little Miss Sunshine, and yeah. There right. Will Be Blood. Yeah, well, and because There Will Be Blood, that was kind of his breakthrough, wasn't it? I mean, wasn't that one of the the, the things that he really kind of made his reputation with? Probably, so. yeah. Because I know it was earlier than some of these other movies. That yeah, that was in '07. We've been talking about. Uh, and yeah. I think Little Miss Sunshine was about '05 or '06, so it was around that same time. Somewhere in there. But, okay. but uh, yeah, yeah. But no, Lo- Love and Mercy. I just that that scene at the very beginning of the movie when he's just kind of fiddling around on the piano and kind of doing just kind of like a talking head interview thing. It's you know even just based on what what little interview footage I've seen of Brian Wilson, kind of you know that era and. It's just spot on. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like that guy is Brian Wilson. That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It was such a such a good job. Yeah. yeah. And what would you? Yeah. So. Yeah. So forget all the Batman movies. If you haven't seen Love and Mercy, <laughs> go see Love and Always Mercy. Always bringing it back to those, the, you know. The other thing that, right? Well, the other thing Love and Mercy helps you realize, which I think is true from everything I've read, is that Pet Sounds was Brian Wilson's album. It wasn't really the rest of the Beach yeah. Boys. It was just. Oh him. yeah. You know, yeah. and and the Beatles. I mean, even the mighty Beatles were just so impressed by that <laughs> album. Basically, Sergeant Pepper's was like a response to Pet Sounds. Yeah. Well, the the story that I heard was that, or the you know story or whatever, is that Pet Sounds was a response slash reaction to Rubber Soul. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would make sense. And then and then and then Sergeant Pepper was a reaction to. Which, which of course skips over Revolver, right? Because Revolver was in the middle of those two albums. But I, I, I thought I remember hearing that it was Rubber Soul that oh. kind of inspired Brian Wilson to do Pet Sounds. I was thinking and then Revolver that was in turn, 65 and Rubber Soul was 66, but I might be off. Well, they were they were within a year of each other, yeah. but, but Rubber Soul was first. Yeah. yeah, Rubber Soul was definitely first. This is why yeah. I could never hold my own. <laughs> and here, here we go. Here we go, turning into a music podcast again. No, but it, no, it's good stuff. And, you know, that is a great thing about the movie because they, they do highlight that whole, like, there's kind of that competition with the Beatles a little bit. So I, yeah. I, I don't yeah. know which albums yeah. or which songs, but there's definitely that whole playing off of each other. And I, here uh, That's, that's so the extent of my knowledge. I can bring it back to Batman. I, I was going to say, let's, let's, let's bring it back to Batman. Okay. So, I, have, I have two questions, but Mark, you go well, first. So quickly... <laughs> 
the dark night, you mentioned a couple, there's a couple things. One is, you said it's a little bit overrated, and I, I love Christopher <laughs> Nolan, and I like him as a filmmaker. I've pretty much enjoyed all of his movies that he's done. I haven't yeah. seen all of them, but I've seen probably seven or eight of them. And mm -hmm. the weird thing about The Dark Knight, for, all, for how great I think it is, to me it's like the least Christopher Nolan of the Christopher mm -hmm. Nolan movies. He loves to play with time. He loves yeah, right. dead wives. He has certain themes, like motifs, that they uh, come up well, again. Well, he did, he did kill Mag Maggie Gyllenhaal. Don't spoil it. Just kidding. Just People 14 years ago. I know. I know. Yeah, the statute of limitations 14 years ago. Yeah. So anyway, my point is, this is the one movie that he pretty much tells in a linear fashion. Out of mm -hmm. all of his movies, they either play with time in a, such a weird way, like sort of the three parts of Dunkirk or the, the in time inversion where it goes backwards in Tenet or, you know, Memento. He does all these interesting things with time, and The Dark Knight is actually fairly traditional. It's fairly standard. I, I don't know. I don't know, Mark. Is it? Uh, how is it is not? It? Well, just just think about it. Just think about it. Hmm. You have to tell. I'm me. just messing with you. Oh, okay. oh my totally god! All right. I was like, well, what did I miss? <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna start watching it right now. Um, and the Dark Knight is told backwards. <laughs> <laughs> The thing that I heard is that the Batman movies he just did for the sake of like getting the money to make the movies that he wanted to make. So like mm. I mean I, I'd imagine that's why it's very it, yeah. it doesn't feel very known, yeah. but it does have that I think higher quality that has been mm -hmm. tried to yeah be replicated. Well, you know no I I agree it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't have his signature in terms of like kind of like Mark was saying you know like in terms of telling stories chronologically versus. You know, jumping around, but, or, yeah. but there are still lots of Nolan tropes mm -hmm. that, you know, it's it'd be hard to watch those movies together and not think, oh yeah, this feels like a Nolan movie. Yeah, for, you know, for whatever reason. Very but, least for the so, soundtrack, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. He, well, Hans. Bring it back Hans. to music. You know I mean, me. there's a lot of Hans. things that are that are you could say are Christopher Nolan, like you said, the the, the dead wife thing or or whatever. But. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, part of it is probably that he is making a superhero movie that's being financed by a studio that is yeah. expecting at least something oh, that yeah. audiences are not going to be confused by or whatever, you know, because mm -hmm. Tenet was actually more confusing than entertaining, honestly. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I wasn't a fan of Tenet either. I, yeah, I just was, I, I mean, I want to be challenged, but not baffled. So I, um, <laughs> that's kind of how I felt. And also, I couldn't understand You should have put sounds. that on the poster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here's the other thing I want to say about The Dark Knight. Um, I I think it's underrated. Well, maybe it's not underrated, but it's an extremely influential movie in terms of award season now, in terms of Oscars, because mm -hmm. when it came out, that was back right. when the Oscars only did five nominees for Best Picture, just like every other category. Everything is five, mm -hmm. basically. Now, and so was that the first year that they expanded it? Well, or the was year that after that, because what happened the year after. is it was actually not only a very popular movie, it was the number one movie of the year by far, it also mm -hmm. made a lot of critical lists, like lots of critics loved it, people, some critics even put it as one of their top movies of the year, and yet when the nominations came out, it did not make uh, the Oscars, and, and so they felt like, okay, well... One of the things that affects the Oscar telecast ratings is if people have actually seen the movies. I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer, but that's really true. Yeah. And if you take the most popular movie of the year, or even like you don't nominate 
any of the top two or three or five most popular movies of the year, then they get a lot lower ratings. So that very next year, in 2009, they expanded, and I can't remember exactly how it's done. It's like a ranked voting, ranked process, but you can get up to 10 Best Picture nominees, and that's what they've done in every year, all the last 12 years since, 13 years. Mm. Like this year, there are 10, 10 nominees for Best Picture, and it's because of The Dark Knight. I mean, it I probably would see. We could, we could, fault. we could debate though whether that's a good thing or not. Well, that's right. exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, yeah. man, we need to shorten it now because, like, there were some movies that made it last year where it's just well, really, really confusing. That's what baffled me. Last know? year, I don't know if you could ever compare, like, try to say that last year should. Um, I mean, last year was the pandemic year, right? So there yeah. were a lot of movies. Oh that, yeah. Should have been even, released. Even the year before, released. because the Oscars happened, you know, before the pandemic really hit. And I, I remember um, that was the year that Parasite won, but there were, like, a lot of other movies that made it to the top, and it was just really, really confusing, the, the nominations. The, the winners made sense, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, when you make it a little more concise, I don't know if that helps. I don't know, it just, it well, doesn't feel like I mean, a legitimate this is... award much anymore, because it's like anyone could make it, really. But, I yeah, I mean, this, well, this this is this is a conversation we've had before, where we've talked about the idea that, you know, what what critics tend to celebrate and and appreciate, uh, rarely lines up with what people go and pay money to see, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so the question is, should they be the same movies or not, right? And so, you know, are are the critics working on behalf of the people or? Are they just movie snobs, you know, and because because that's the thing is like it's, you know, it's hard to look at because I I mean, I sympathize with both sides. But when I when I look at the movies that have been nominated for Best Picture, it's hard to argue that, no, those aren't really fantastic movies and that this Marvel movie should be. Should win instead, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. But I also understand why you're not going to get. You're not going to make a billion dollars on Parasite, mm-hmm. right? And and so, I don't know. I I think I, I think that's something to ponder though is whether expanding the nominations is is helpful. I mean, it, I guess if nothing else, it just gives people the chance to acknowledge some of these movies that they're ultimately not going to vote for, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But maybe that's maybe that's good enough. Just more more pats on the back. Yeah, I, and more 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 ratings. Well, in this age of nobody's watching live TV, there are no shared experiences. I know that's the other it's, thing that you know that the the culture is too fragmented. It's changing so much now that, I mean, a few years ago they did try to introduce a best popular film or something best popular. I heard yeah, and it right, was just right. a disaster. It's like why would you do right. that? It's almost like you're acknowledging. Well, we're we're trying to pick a movie people like, but we don't really think is that great. Otherwise, it would be nominated for best picture, because just like even best picture now, kind of condescending, right? A documentary, an animated film, any any movie can qualify for best picture, right? If it's really that good, Um, so they didn't do that. But the other thing is, with the ten, the thing I do like about it is usually they do acknowledge one or two really good movies that probably wouldn't make the top five. Like Black Panther, for example, was nominated for Best Picture. It probably wouldn't have been a top five, but apparently was a top ten, you know, for for them, for the Oscar voters. Um, 
I don't know if any other like superhero type movies have made it, uh, but you know, certainly The Dark Knight I think would have if there had been ten in the yeah. field. Well, I mean that's the argument, right? Is that yeah. genre films don't do well? Right. That that comedies, you know, action movies, superhero movies that that's not in vogue or that's not taken seriously, or, right? You know, it would be an interesting know. discussion, and maybe we could do it another time to talk about really what is a critic's role in yeah. in speaking yeah, to the well. public. Well, we should because <laughs> we should definitely do it another time well, because I want to talk about the Batmobile. Oh, okay. <laughs> what's I want to talk about important issues. And number one is what's the best Batmobile? So <laughs> that's <laughs> no seriously. I really, really love this this new one. Okay. It was, I mean, I, I'm a car guy, and so I've always liked cars. And and the Batmobile is definitely one of the most kind of iconic movie cars. So I I thought it was really kind of kind of cool to see this one. But uh, do you guys do you guys have opinions on the Batmobile, or is it just me? Um, it just seems to be more and more techy. So I think they're cool. I mean. The the bat the uh, the ones in the the Dark Knight you know those those Nolan movies were I felt like it could just drive over and drive through about anything and then it also could transform yeah. into a a it's motorcycle the tank yeah it's like a Batmo <laughs> tank that can also turn into that that cool motorcycle with the big fat tires and um, yeah yeah all kinds of gadgets I, I they are really cool yeah that one that one's never going to be my favorite because. As much as I like it, and I do really like it, just like I do like Dark Knight, even if I think it's a little tad overrated. Um, I don't know. I just think that that kind of that original sleek, you know, Batwing looking kind of aesthetic, like even the old, you know, uh, 1960s, you know, the the kind of the convertible, that that original Batmobile was fantastic. Like that's that's still that's still one of my favorites. I have a tough time you know, saying that any of the others are like, I, I do like the, the Tim Burton ones, the, as those movies went on, the Batmobile kind of got really weird, mm. <laughs> like, like these really crazy, crazy fins. But, uh, no, and that, and like I said, the, the thing I really liked about this one is, I don't know, one, one of the ways I describe this is that, cause you know how with the Nolan trilogy, you kind of had the feeling like, okay, well, we're going to, we, we have the character Bruce Wayne who has unlimited funds. He's super wealthy, but he also has a connection to kind of like, it's almost kind of like a Tony Stark where like he's doing military stuff. His company's doing military stuff. So he has access and that's how he's able to get access to that version of the Batmobile and all these other, other things. This new one, the Robert Pattinson one, it's like, okay, well, this guy's still super wealthy, but you almost get the feeling like they're trying to portray the bat gadgets as things that he would modify himself. Mm. Like the Batmobile feels like it, it's almost kind of like a cross between a, a fast and furious car and a Mad Max car. Oh. Right. Cause it, it almost, it almost kind of looks like, like Dom's charger with like a souped up jet engine stuck on the back of it. And uh, so it's just, I don't know if, yeah. if you, if you enjoy cars, if you appreciate cars, that that to me was one of the highlights of the new movie, and just one of the highlights of the series in general. But uh, no, that makes a lot of sense because I feel like it was kind of explained in the Christopher Nolan uh, Batman movies, where it's like, yeah, you know, where he does have the money, or like they already had the vehicle, so it's like that's why it was manufactured. But I I, I kind of like that idea of just like kind of strapping more onto it in Mad Max style. Um, 
I, I will point out, I, I, you know, I hate to be the gamer of the bunch of you gentlemen here, That's... but um, Batman Arkham Knight, that uh, Batmobile you can play with, is super cool. And I just love all the functions of it and how it can be used for puzzle solving in very unique ways. So it's pretty nice. dope. Mm, that's <laughs> Is that a gamer term? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just, I'm a gamer Are girl. you using that gamer vernacular Catch on me us? on Twitch, guys. Nice, nice. Okay, so here's, this, here's a question. I don't know if this is, because I'm trying to even think if there's an answer to this as I'm thinking of the question. Okay. I was going to say, like, is there... Is there a most underrated Batman, either either a character or a movie or anything like? I think everyone would say there... Val Kilmer, wouldn't they? Wouldn't think that so? be the answer? Well, I, I, but again, well, I haven't I, seen it. If you're saying movies, I would probably say Batman Returns, probably the one right after the 1989 okay. version. You just never hear yeah. people talk about it, and it's it's yeah great, you know. Um, I don't know as far as characters, people debate, you know. Clooney and Kilmer and Keaton and I don't I like I said to me the joke the Batman is more about the joke the Joker and the villain oh, yeah. than the Batman so oh, I don't yeah. have a strong opinion I I didn't like the Christian Bale when he would you know he would do that gruff low voice like I know he was masking <laughs> right, his right. voice no right but it was like you could hardly understand him <laughs> where is he you know well yeah. it's 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 almost it's almost like Seinfeld <laughs> where the main character is the obligatory straight man and everybody else gets to have the fun, oh, right? Yeah. Where, like, especially with Batman, like, all of the side characters, especially the villains, are, like, the crazy, the yeah. you know, bounce off the walls of real memorable. And then you think, okay, because, I mean, I, I like most everybody who's portrayed Batman, but it's almost harder for me to say that this one performance was better yeah. than, than even saying this one movie was better. Well, I think, because... yeah, with that, it's like Batman's so stoic, you know, there's not really much of a personality. Yeah. yeah. Really. yeah. yeah. But I, but I like the idea that I, I do tend to agree as I think about it, that the Batman returns is probably the most underrated of all the Batman movies, just because it is really, really good, but doesn't get a whole lot of attention. Mm-hmm. So now, so Danny, which ones have you seen and not seen? I've basically not seen any of them really. Um, Cause I've seen, have you just been making up this whole conversation? Have you been going? <laughs> I've been. Well, this is why I have to bring up the video games because I've seen all the video. Oh, I've seen all the the Arkham video games. Um, no, so like, I just, yeah, no. Um, so I saw Dark Knight trilogy, and then, um, I saw Justice League, and okay. Um, the animated series, and that's it. Well, you guys have to go see the. The original Batman movie with uh, Adam West. Oh, when that he's please. Fun. I have seen lots oh, of yeah. clips, and I I do enjoy that a lot. Nice, nice. No, that's. I mean, that was, well, you know, because you you mentioned. Now, was it Danny? Was it you, or was it Mark who mentioned that? The, the, those Batman movies were kind of your introdu- introduction to superheroes. Because for for me, it was yeah. the Superman movies. For me, it was Christopher Reeve. Mm-hmm. Like those, that's, I remember well, very clearly. Yeah, well, just think of when I was born. So I was born in 98, right? And then um, these movies came out early 2000s. So, like, I mean, yeah. it would be these movies and um, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Like, mm-hmm. the, the, that was what superhero movies were for me. Yeah, and then, yeah, right. I, I did watch Christopher Reeve. That's true. But, like, 
I, I feel like my fact. yeah no I yeah I think my dad was just so excited to show us um, Christian Bale uh, as Batman like he was just so excited to share this with us and I think that's why like a lot of the movies that I feel most fondly for her, like my dad's favorite movies because he's just like guys you gotta watch these and so we're all like sitting excited kind of you know in that yeah. same position as Mark where it's like I'm not 13 yet but this is cool so I don't mm-hmm. know. No, because because my my early exposure to Batman was the TV show, like mm. reruns of the old TV show, the yeah. the pow zap bang, you know, and so you know because I mean they had obviously they they come out a long long time earlier, but you know was Batman what was that I was twelve thirteen years old kind of like Mark you were saying mm-hmm. yeah. you know so I don't know it's it's interesting how we kind of get, you know, it's like the first thing gives us an idea of what we think this is supposed to be. And then everything else kind of changes that or, or modifies it. Okay. But I don't know. Okay. Well, we've, uh, we've talked a lot of Batman. Anybody got any final things. thoughts? <laughs> and some other things, which is good. Yeah. It's fine. We cover a lot of good ground. Yeah. Um, um, no, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Like I said, next weekend, I'm planning to see it. So I will have to let you know if I agree or disagree with your take. Sounds good. I will look forward to it. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this week on the Utah Film Pod. It's been fun talking about Batman. Hopefully you guys have got uh, some fun reactions. And if you have a favorite Batman, Batmobile, Batman movie, or maybe even an interpretation of the great Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, go ahead and leave it in the comments, and uh, we'll look forward to hearing back from you. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. (laughs) 